All right, thank you, young people. They're great. Well, um, I want to invite you this morning, if you would look in your Bibles, in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, we're going to begin there with our scripture this morning. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, I'll be reading out of the New International Version in case you are following along, and you can follow along on your Bible, or you can follow along um, on your phone, whatever is appropriate for you. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone. And the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished the tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you this day for your word, and I thank you for what you desire to speak into our hearts. Help us to hear by your Holy Spirit what it is you want to speak into us. And Lord, as we hear those truths, we pray that you would plant them deep within our hearts, and God, that we would grow ever deeper in love with you. I pray now that I would be out of the way, and Jesus, you would be seen, and what is said and done would bring you glory and honor, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um... It has been a great first week. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm kind of the new guy here. So I have completed day seven. There has not been a moving truck yet put outside of my office. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, but it has been a great week. I have been so blessed to get to work with the staff. And those of you who have dropped by, it has just been great. And, and you're an amazing group of people. Thank you for allowing me to be part of you. And if you're new here today, I just want you to know you are in the midst of some great folk. Um, And I'm just really excited to be a part here. Um, I just also want to flag really quickly, um, I want my wife just to raise her hand. My wife does not like to stand, but I will have you raise her hand. She's over here in the black. So in case um, you are wondering who she is, some of you asked me after church last week, you can visit with her and meet her, and she is a great gift to me, as I shared in the service last week. Um, And I'm glad to say this week that you all have a little more of a face than you did last week. You all look like one. I mean, like, everybody just looked the same to me. Um, At least today, I'm getting a little more distinction, figuring out a little more who you are, and that will continue to come. But thank you for your graciousness and your hospitality and all of that. Well, last week we began the sermon series following the path of Jesus, and we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, and we talked about knowing whose you are. And so last week we looked at the idea that, you know, we all 
probably look to someone, something for our authority. We're looking to something for our guidance, our direction, um, where we find um, our purpose ultimately. So we're looking to that and so we all, at various times, are looking at a variety of things. We may look at ourselves. I'm looking to myself to come up with the direction, the guidance. Um, I'm looking at myself as the authority. Or maybe we look for someone else, or someone else has that position over us. We have given it to them. Or it's something. Maybe it's money, power, image. Those kind of things can be controlling. Or we're looking to those things to guide us in where to move forward. Or... Is it God? And we talked specifically last week about knowing that at the end of the day, I really come to identify that I am God's. It's, I want my life to be in alignment with where God is directing me and God is guiding me, and I want God to be my final authority over my life. So I'm pressing into that place. And that takes a lot of work to keep that kind of positioning because it's always tempting to let someone else gain that spot over us, including ourselves. Now this morning I want to talk to you about moving forward in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be looking today at knowing who you are not. Knowing who you are not. And we're going to be looking specifically at this story of the temptation of Jesus. But every day you and I are surrounded by multiple voices and images. Anybody notice that? I mean, how many of you got one of these? Can I ask, does anybody not have one of these? Okay, we've got a few that are, you're the sanctified, just saying. Um, but this we get, right? And on it, we are getting multiple messages all day long. You're getting multiple texts, multiple emails, phone calls, voicemails. Um, you're getting Twitter, TikTok, whatever other social media platform you want to be on. And that's not speaking to what we see on our televisions, listen to on our radios. We are getting bombarded every day with multiple messages that are telling us who we are or who we are not. And you know, um, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because you, you hear that so much and we get, it all gets confusing and what voice are we really hearing out there? And if, you know, and, and these messages can have an effect on how I see myself how I see my life, my family, my relationships. To be honest, I've found for myself, you'll find out, um, I'm not a real big Facebooker. I mean, I am kind of a stealth. I like to get on periodically and research about y'all, just, just saying. But I know you're doing it to me too. But I just want you to say, you will not find I post much. Um, because I actually don't get on a lot. And the reason is, is because I found very early on that when I get on Facebook, I would see everybody's wonderful trip to the Bahamas. I would see their beautiful family on the beach, all dressed in white. I would see the new job posting and promotions that were going on. And I've got to be honest with you, I felt lousy about my life. <laughs> and so I decided, you know what, this isn't really where I need to hang. This does not help me. And the voices we hear around us have the capacity to destroy and to mess up our following Jesus, if we're not careful, where Jesus is wanting to take us and what Jesus is wanting to say over us. And just to be honest, folks, this is nothing new. Now, granted, back in the beginning of time, they didn't have cell phones, but they were getting messages too. And if we go back into Genesis, we find the story of Adam and Eve that you're probably all very familiar with if you've hung around the church at all. And it's 
the story of Adam and Eve after they are created, and God speaks some specific messages to them. And he says some things like this. He says, God tells Adam and Eve, they are very what? Very good. Thank you. God says, you are very good. And, and God goes on and he speaks to them. He says, you are a reflection of my image. You are the pinnacle of my creation. God says to them, I've got a purpose for you and a calling. You're not just hanging out. I've got something for you to do and to be about. And also we find in the Genesis account, God loves to be in relationship with Adam and Eve and loves to walk and talk with them. That's the God that we get reflected, right? Now, get to chapter 3 and we get this wonderful character that enters into the story and it's the serpent. And throughout the rest of Scripture, it always goes back and refers to the serpent as Satan, who we, we know that word means ultimately deceiver or accuser. And so here's been this good word that's been spoken over Adam and Eve and who they are, and it's awesome, right? And then this serpent comes and speaks a different message. And here's the kind of things that it says. I want you just to reflect for a moment, see if these messages sound familiar to anything you have heard this week in your life. God is not really out for your best. You can't trust him. God is holding out on you. If you don't take control of your life, you're going to miss out. Anybody hear any of those? Anywhere? Maybe in your own head? Only by taking control of your life and trusting itself can you really be your best self and live the life you deserve. God's not going to give it to you. You better get it yourself. Anybody hearing that voice ever out there? And what's tragic, isn't it? I think one of the most tragic verses or chapters in the Bible is Genesis chapter 3 because Adam and Eve have heard all these wonderful words of God spoke over them and unfortunately they choose to listen to the serpent's voice. And as a result of listening to that voice, does it bring them life and fulfillment and all these wonderful promises? Actually, we know it doesn't, right? The tragedy is by listening to the voice of the enemy they are robbed of joy, they're robbed of life, they're robbed of peace, and ultimately a relationship with God. And it messes up their relationship with others in the world. Those voices that are spoken over us, oftentimes that we should not be receiving as who we are, that we take in, have great ability to harm and to mess us up and to take us off the path with Jesus. And in today's text, here's the thing, y'all. It's Satan is not creative, right? Because he goes back to Adam. Well, now we get to Jesus in the text we just read. And it's interesting, if you go to the Apostle Paul, this is just a little bit tidbit for those who are really into detail. And the Apostle Paul later on says there was the first Adam, which was Adam and Eve, and there's the second Adam, which is Jesus. And now we find the enemy comes to Jesus. And what we, as we get here in this story, what we've, where we've come from is that you have Jesus, and Jesus has just been baptized in the Jordan, right? We looked at this last week. So Jesus comes, he goes down into the water. Now, we talked about he was fully God and fully human. He didn't need to be baptized. Why did he? Well, we think it's because he was identifying that he was going to be the sacrifice for sin, for humanity, 
And also they were saying, God, I am fully in. I'm fully committed to you. And Jesus comes out of the water. The Holy Spirit descends on him. And then he gets to hear these wonderful words. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. How do you think Jesus felt at that moment? I mean, how do you think he felt? I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm all that. Or do you think it was like, whoa, the God of the universe has just spoken of me that I'm his beloved, that I'm special to him. I mean, I think he was, there was a humbling moment there. Even though he was God in human form, I think there was a humility, and I think also that he had a sense of just a joy, a sense of love. Man, how much love God has for me, I have. I mean, at that moment, how high on God was Jesus? I think he was like, oh, this is, this is amazing. It's the closest thing to back when I was in heaven. And then it says the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness. Now, why do people go out into the wilderness? Well, I think Jesus felt there was something God wanted to do in his life. And so he said, I want to go out and I want to draw near and find out what God wants to say to me. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments. There's times I can tell you in later Will and other stories, but there's those moments when you sense God really wants to do something, though you don't know exactly what it is. And Jesus went out for 40 days and wandered in the wilderness, and we don't know a thing about what happened to him or what he said in those 40 days. I get a feeling, you know, he wasn't eating, he was fasting, so I got a feeling he had some moments he felt hungry. I got a minute, I get a feeling that probably he had a lot of times when it was just silent and he wasn't hearing anything. And then I think there was probably times when God's spirit was very close to him and maybe he was getting words about what he was going to be sharing and tasks he was going to be doing in the future. I really don't know, but it says at the end of the 40 days, his hunger returned, which is a sign that starvation is starting to set back in. And Jesus... I think Luke tells us that because he's telling us that Jesus is fully human and struggled with the same kind of temptations you and I do, even though he was God. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus was tempted in all ways we were, yet did not sin. However, Satan still tries his old tricks. And he comes to Jesus and he tries to manipulate and get to rob him of what he has come to do. And so Satan, who's done this to Adam and Eve, now is doing it to Jesus. And there are three temptations. And what I want to do with you is relatively quickly go through those three temptations and show what I think they say to us about who we are not, according to Jesus. So the first temptation, of course, is one that we know quite well. It says, Satan comes, he says, Jesus is hungry, so meet yourself need. So he says, um, turn these stones into bread, Right? And Jesus says to him, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. So I think the first thing that Jesus is telling us through this story, who we're, he is not, who we are not, is we are not self-reliant, but we're to be God-reliant. We're not to be self-reliant, but to be, to be God-reliant. Our messaging, so much of the time around us, is it's up to you. It's up to you. You've got to make it happen. You've got to be something. You've got to do all of these things right. Now, Jesus could have modeled self-reliance for us. He could have said, yeah, I could turn these stones, no problem. It was God, he could have, right? But he chose not to. And he says, 
And I think it's important he didn't, because if he had, then Jesus would have said, look, I just, anytime I have a need, I just take care of it myself. I just rely on me. It's all good. That means whenever he was out and he would have met somebody who was sick, and he came up to heal him, hey, I can take care of that. Somebody who's possessed and in bondage, oh, I can free them. Oh, they're hungry? Man, just let me whip it up, Daniel. He could cook. But he put it, he, he said, I could do all of that. Now, how different would that story have been if Jesus says, I don't need God, I can just do it all myself. He came to step in the gap for us to show us how to stand and how to live in the midst of his Holy Spirit coming to cleanse us and fill us with his Holy Spirit with life. So there's that whole piece there that Jesus said, I'm not going to rely on me. I have come to rely on my Father and I am going to rely and live into him. So he trusted, he didn't trust in himself, he was trusting in God to lead and to guide him. And he ultimately trusted Jesus for real life. See, we're often told in our world by the messaging we get, we often hear is that real happiness and fulfillment are going to come from self in the world. If you don't work at it, if you don't try hard, if you don't, you're not going to get it, you're not going to have a life if you don't get it from the world. I would offer to us that there are a lot of people in the world that have very little that are living full lives. But they're finding it in their relationship with God and in Christ. Because our world has sold us, it's all about what we have and who we are and what we possess in this realm as opposed to the eternal realm. So we often hear from the world, you need to pick up the stones and you need to turn them into whatever you want them to be to make you happy. And Jesus says, no, what's going to make you happy is by every word that comes from the mouth of God that you want to you want to hear God's voice spoken into you. You want to go where God who, where God is wanting you to be. You want to follow God. You are so reliant on God. Now the second temptation that comes to Jesus is the enemy comes to him and he says, "Now, if you will just bow down and worship me, I will give you authority over the world." How many of you would like authority over the world? Some of you are going, no. Some of you are going, yeah, give it to me. I'll fix it. You know, we all could be out there, right? And we think we know what we want. But this, and Jesus says to him, he says, um, you're to worship the Lord your God only. You're not to bow down to anything other than the Lord. The second thing I'd say who we are not is we are not world-focused, but we are to be God-focused. Our world, because of its sensual nature, all of us are looking around the world and we're saying, it's this world that's going to ultimately fulfill me and give me happiness. Now, I'm saying this world is good, folks. I love living in this world. I'm not wanting to check out anytime soon. I'm having a good time most days. But I will say that if our belief is that this is really where full fulfillment in our eternity, our world, our life is, is going to be here, I think we're missing it. And Jesus knew that. And, light, and so Jesus, he was being told by the enemy, life can be found in being the master of your own domain. Now, I know sometimes I like to be the master of my own domain. You can talk to my wife about this issue and you can pray for her to deal with me. And I'm not saying I'm the master of my domain by any means. I'm just saying I like to think I am. And I find that whenever my wife kind of confronts me on the issue, I very quickly rise up to tell her all the reasons that I should be the domain. I don't say that quite like that, because I'm smarter than that. 
But in my heart, I'm justifying all the reasons that this should be my domain and I am right in the way I'm handling it. I'm sure none of you are like that. And yet, what we find from Jesus, you could say, yeah, give me the domain, man. I can run this world really well. You just, you know, I'll just, I'll worship you. I'll bow down to you. I'll, I'll let you have it. But then you're going to give me all I want here. Jesus could have said, you know, if I follow that track, I don't have to deal with these daggum Pharisees. They're always wanting to complain about everything I'm preaching and everything I'm doing. He didn't have to worry about going to the cross to die. He'd avoided a lot of trouble and pain. I can set up the world the way I like and the way I think it's going to be best. And yet Jesus turns it down. He says, because I need to be God-focused. I know that's ultimately where life is. You know, we're always offered that there's easy, quick fixes. But whenever, if Jesus would have taken the quick, easy fix, he would have undercut the redemptive work he came to do. He had a bigger vision in mind, and that was that he wanted us to be able to spend eternity with him. So Jesus says, I'm not going to shortchange and live my own dominion so that because he had all of us on his mind, the world on his mind. And he says, I'm not going to shortchange this because I know it has effect into the future. And so, young people, as you're planning out your life right now, I want to encourage you, man, to be thinking about where's God wanting to go through you? What's God wanting to do? Because we need you all to be those kind of leaders that are leading us, checking and touching God to give you direction. If we don't continually strive to know the voice of God, we can be lose sight of God and God's plan for us to the many voices that are coming at us every day. So that's why it's curious. That's why we have to stay in prayer, right? That's why we have to stay in fellowship. That's why we have to stay in Scripture to help us do that. Now, the third temptation then that comes to Jesus is this, and I think it's the third thing that is not. Um, we find that Jesus is taken up to the pinnacle of the temple, and he's on the temple, and we know that the temple at that time, if you looked at the top down, supposedly was around 100 feet high. So um, Jesus is taken up to the temple, and Satan says, hey, prove you are God. Throw yourself down onto the ground. And hey, the angels will catch you. And if they don't, God will raise you up. No problem, right? You're God. And Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What I think Jesus is trying to say is, he's saying, I'm not self-led, but I'm God-led. I'm not self-led, I'm God-led. Because Satan's saying, you're the controller of your own destiny. And now, to some truth, yeah, some truth, you know, you and I can make decisions that have effect, that can alter things we know in our workforce, you know, we do things that have effect. So we do have to, to some extent, we have to take authority, we have to live our lives out well. But folks, has anybody found out in our world today that there is a whale of a lot of pressure to try to figure out how to be successful, to figure out how to do the right thing, to not doing what you're, that you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to be, and you're really hoping that we get to the end of life that you did what you were supposed to do. Anybody afraid you're going to get there and not have done it? I think we wrestle with that all the time. 
What if I don't marry the right person? What if I don't go to the right school? What if I don't do the right things? We're always afraid today because there is this ideology that we're rising to some kind of perfection. And folks, so we get wrestling. And I think instead, Jesus said, don't worry about where it comes out. You just worry about following Jesus in the moment by the moment. Does that bring anybody a little bit of relief? You don't have to have got it all right. All we need to do is just try to take the right next step as we rely on Jesus rather than what everybody else is trying to tell us to do. You know, like young people, I tell, uh, you know, I think back when I was a youth leader, one of the things, you know, I remember with, with young people saying, you know, the main thing is right now just keep pressing into Jesus and doing the right next thing and it's going to take you in the right direction. You'll, make, you'll avoid a lot of stuff that can mess you up in the future. Just, just take it one step at a time. Do what you think God is calling you to do in the moment. And you know, Jesus is ultimately what we're finding today. If you've said yes to Jesus and surrendered to Jesus, you don't have to prove yourself. All you need to do is just say, Lord, I'm just trying today. I just want to follow you. I just want you to guide me. I may not even know what the right thing is. I may not even know, but I'm just trusting that as I really try to listen to you, I trust that you're going to get me where I need to be at the right time. And I think I have always found God has been faithful in that. And I believe he'll be faithful in that for you as well. And Jesus is saying, I trust that if I just keep following where God is leading me, I don't have to have to throw myself out there and prove anything. All I got to do is just try to be faithful in the moment by moment. And if I get off track, we'll go back and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I got off track and let's get back going again. But not here in the world always telling you that you have to lead yourself. Yesterday, um, Nancy and I had the privilege, we went to the movie Sound of Freedom and I would really highly recommend it to you if you've not seen it. It's a true life story um, on um, human trafficking. And when we first uh, said, oh, we'll go see this movie, I have to be honest with you, it was not like on the top yays of the day. In fact, we were dreading it because we thought, what are we going to get into? Because we really hadn't seen many previews and talked to many people that had seen it. And we went, I just want to assure you, it is very well done, and I would highly recommend it to anybody, and it doesn't cause you great trauma though it deals with a very intense and difficult topic. But they do it incredibly well. So I just want to name that if you want to go see a great movie right now. But it's a real-life story on... Uh, the character is Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard um, worked for the CIA and then was eventually um, asked to take on special child crimes. Um, and at first, when he was asked to do this, he said, no, I don't want any part of that. Because he had, I think he has five kids himself. And they're younger, and uh, he happens to be of the Mormon faith. Um, but Tim Ballard said no originally, but then what he does is he and his wife, as he went and shared with her about this opportunity, um, his wife and he, Catherine, fasted and prayed and said, God, we don't know. Is this what we're supposed to do next? And he said, after a long time, he said, we felt it was. And so he began working in these cases and children that were being trafficked, and it was really emotionally draining on him to see what an experience, what he was experiencing. And he got to a place where he was just ready to quit. He says, I don't want any more of this. I don't need it. And so he told his wife, I can't do this. These children are being kidnapped and raped, and there is nothing worse on earth. There is nothing worse in hell 
but he felt a powerful confirmation that this was what he was supposed to do. I made a commitment to God and to that little boy that I would do everything I could, even if it killed me. That he said, I don't know how it's going to be done. I don't know how to free these kids. I don't know how to make it work. And it's tearing me apart. But God, if that's where you're leading me in the next step, that's where I will go, no matter the cost. Sounds a whale of a lot like Jesus. Father, I will go wherever you want, wherever you send me, no matter the cost, even if it kills me. I just want to be committed knowing that that's where life is found. Jesus takes us back to the garden, doesn't he? He takes us back to the garden so that we can ideally hear the voice of God speaking over us. That we are God's special creation. That we are called to be his image bearers. That we are invited to continue to walk in day-by-day revelation and relationship with God because he loves us and he values us and he wants to love in and through us to others. And also that as he wants us to live our lives surrendered to him, that he might fulfill his purpose, even though we may not fully know what it is, that we trust that as we press into God, that if we just trust and go step-by-step, that one day God's going to welcome us into his kingdom and say, well done. You fulfilled what I called you to do. You didn't know you were doing it, but you did it because you kept your eyes not focused on the world, not focused on self, not trying to be reliant on your own abilities, but you kept it fixed in me, and in me is where life is found.